0: All right, well, have you ever found yourself like having these Sunday texting buddies that just, you know, you could text with them about the game, especially if you're big giant fans and maybe someone's in Florida and you're up here, but you want to stay in touch and to talk about the game? Well, I've got that kind of connection with Perry Elena, and we go way beyond texting. We are friends from Queens College. Perry, you are a Tampa native, so let me just say that up front. Um, welcome to the podcast. It's the first time you've been here.
1: I'm actually a New York native. I just moved out to Tampa four years
0: ago. That's right. You are a New York native, and right now you're living in Tampa. So, um, But, yeah, we talk every Sunday, and I figure, why not have you on? We're both Giant fans, like hardcore. Uh, Even though I'm wearing all these different shirts nowadays, I still love the Giants deep down. Um, Let's talk about what – and I brought you on because you are in Tampa now. And the last time a Super Bowl was in your hometown – was 2014 and i gotta ask you that uh when it was in new york did you experience that at all when new york had a super bowl here
1: so i actually didn't i wasn't living in new york anymore i was actually living up in connecticut and it was probably about a 60 70 minute train ride just to get into grand central and then to get over to the super bowl experience in times square that week um probably would have paid more to walk than to actually take the subway, but it was just, it was cold. It was snowy and it was just, I just was not able to get down to New York city that day <laughs>
0: or that week. I should say being a New York native, you have all these connections up here, all these friendships. Uh, you must miss the city, even if it's bone cold and snowy, you still probably miss it. Uh, even in the Super Bowl time I, of year. Yeah.
1: I mean, I miss my friends. I miss my family. I don't miss the cost of living or the taxes. <laughs>
0: And now you're in Tampa, and and it's interesting that once again in your backyard, literal backyard, is the Super Bowl experience. Um, You know, Tampa's not stranger to hosting this Super Bowl, but obviously this year was different. Not just the Tampa hosting a game in the Super Bowl, but the whole COVID experience too. So what was Super Bowl week like down in Tampa, uh, like from day one?
1: I don't know if you're familiar with the rules and regulations regarding COVID in Florida, but they're pretty much very minimal. Um, Pretty much everything is operating at full capacity. I believe restaurants and stores do have an indoor mask mandate. So whenever you're indoors inside businesses or public areas, you do have to wear a mask however um, outdoors there really weren't any requirements or mask requirements um, I do believe the city implemented an outdoor mask requirement covering certain areas of the city that were going to have Super Bowl related activities like the Super Bowl experience in downtown. Um, as well as obviously the area surrounding Raymond James Stadium where the Super Bowl was held and a couple of other areas where um, that are just known to have an active bar and party scene.
0: Well, yeah, and I mean, I got to be honest, and I know you weren't in that crowd, but I had seen tons of Tampa fans the day they clinched it against the, the Packers, like just walking around. I'm like, man, they're just all gathering. And I, I guess you're saying during the Super Bowl week, they tried to cut that down.
1: they tried to cut it down. um, And like I said, they did implement some mask mandates in areas that they knew there was going to be a lot of crowding, whether you were indoors or outdoors. So that was a change from what the norm had been in the city prior.
0: When Brady, before Brady got there, you've been living in Tampa for a couple of years now. There wasn't a buzz around that team was there up until he came down.
1: I mean, there was a buzz around the team, but the buzz around the team wasn't for the right reasons. Um, you know, you had your diehard Bucks fans who watched them every year, who had to watch Jameis Winston throw for 30 touchdowns. And for every touchdown he threw, he threw a pick to go with it. Um, and, so I've, you know, watched my friends and my coworkers as they've rooted for the Bucks and the Bucks have played terribly. And Bucks fans are some of the nicest people I've ever met. I've gone to Bucks games, obviously, rooting for the visiting team. And in some of those games, the visiting team fans outnumbered the fans of the Bucks.
0: Well, All let me ask Tom you.
1: Brady coming to town.
0: Well, obviously, the Giants played Brady up here on Monday Night Football, Uh And we lost to them. It was not an easy loss to see. Uh, But were you able to get to a game down there at all? Did you get to any games even though – because they did allow fans at Raymond James throughout the season, if I'm not mistaken.
1: So they did allow fans, but again, it was limited capacity. I I honestly don't remember if it was either 25% or 50% capacity, but – because of, um, because of the hype surrounding the Bucs and the hype surrounding Tom Brady coming to town, tickets were just really difficult and expensive to get. And if the Giants were playing down here in Tampa, it might have been worth um, trying to get tickets to the stadium, but um, to a game and go see the Giants play. But to just watch, spend hundreds of dollars to watch the Bucks play against another team um, with all of the restrictions on top of it, it just wasn't worth it to me.
0: But let's talk about that, because you just remind me, you know, sometimes you forget in the whole, I want to see if there's fans there or not, you forget about who they're going to watch. So while you may have not wanted to, I'm sure you even were told by friends, hey, this is amazing to watch Brady here. Like, there was some emotions behind this season, uh, fan limits or not.
1: Oh, yeah, everyone was really excited to watch him. It was just a matter of, like, were you able to actually get to the stadium and go watch him? <laughs>
0: Do you think this was the best move for him? I, I think it was. I know he wanted to come down there to be with his kid, and now he won a ring. So it, it just – I think he went down there for different reasons, and he ended up winning a ring out of it.
1: Yeah, I think it was a great move for him. I think if you actually – I know probably up in New York, not many people followed the Bucs or even were ever on their radar um, prior. But when I um, – the Bucks actually had a pretty good team last year. They really They had a solid defense. They had great playmakers on receiver. Um, Ronald Jones is a decent, was um, the main running back at the time. Um, they hadn't traded for Leonard Fournette yet. Um, they had a pretty solid offensive defense, and really the only thing holding them back was the quarterback position. So I think it was a great move for Brady because they pretty much had everything in place to make a deep playoff run except for the quarterback.
0: Well, and, and Mike Evans was on this team beforehand, wasn't he?
1: Yes, yeah. that's right. The Bucks, if I'm not mistaken.
0: And I remember, you know, before Brady got there, he was like the cornerstone for that offense. If I'm not mistaken, for a long time, um, they were really banking on him. And uh, now he got a ring out of it. Uh, obviously, you know, one, one thing about the Bucks that I've always been—I won't talk about the Giants because you're a huge Giant fan too—but but on the Bucks, you know, I I felt. The Rutgers and the Northeast got a big loss when Greg Sciano went down there to coach for Tampa. It didn't work out for him. And I was just like, it's shocking because he was such a good coach up here. Why didn't it work with Tampa Bay? Like, I kept trying to figure that out. Uh, But I guess you didn't follow them as closely back then. Um, So, Perry. Yeah,
1: I... They were. I think the only time they were ever on my radar prior to moving down here was the time we played them in Wild Card Weekend in 2007, the year the Giants beat Brady in the Super Bowl. And then I think a few years back, um, the Giants needed the Bucks to lose to clinch a playoff spot. I think that was the only two times they were ever on my radar prior to moving to Tampa.
0: <laughs> well, and of course, um, you know they've just had, you know they just had all this stuff. I mean, you look at the Bucks. I actually rooted for them in 2002 or 2002-03 when they played the Raiders in that Super Bowl, um, and they won, and they had Brad Johnson, and they had Lynch. Of course, none of those guys, you know, Lynch is a class of his own, but Brady outpaces Johnson. But it was still, I think both of them had some solid teams those those Super Bowl winning years. But let's talk about that, Giants versus the Bucks because I really wondered if Steve Spagnuolo, again, could beat Brady on the sidelines as defensive coordinator in the Super Bowl. But Brady just ate through that defense, it felt like.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they, I think the Kansas City Chiefs just made a lot of mistakes. They beat themselves. I don't necessarily know how much Brady beat them, but they beat themselves. I know there was a lot of talk about the refs helping Brady out. Um, and I had the misfortune of getting to watch the refs Help Brady out when they played the Giants on Monday Night Football, but um, I don't think that was the case here. I mean, pretty much all of those penalties were legitimate penalties, and they really, um, you know, they really beat themselves at the end of the day. And then on the offensive side of the ball, none of those receivers could create separation. And any time Patrick Mahomes was able to get a throw over to the receivers, they dropped it.
0: I know. Well, and Mahomes was just incredible, but. But as you say, they shot themselves in the foot with all those penalties. And, you know, Andy Reid teams normally are disciplined. That's why I was so surprised by that, actually.
1: Yeah. And it seemed like there was some things going on um, internally with the Chiefs. I know they had, there was an incident with someone coming into the facility. I think it might have been a barber that had COVID. So I'm sure that set them back a bit. And then they had um, the incident with, the coach and Andy Reid's son getting into that accident right before the Super Bowl. So it seemed like they also had some distractions on the team leading up to the Super Bowl.
0: Perry, where, where were you on Super Bowl Sunday? Were you anywhere near the stadium or did you stay home? Where were you? So
1: I actually live less than a mile away from the stadium. So I did get to see the um, kind of the beginnings of the crowd forming and the excitement leading up to the Super Bowl. I did eventually make my way up to a friend's house, watched the game at a friend's house who lives a little bit further away from the stadium, and ended up spending the night there because I knew trying to get back to my place with all of the excitement with the Bucs winning was just going to be an absolute disaster.
0: Well, I know you were traveling. Obviously, that's not happening as much now. So... In a way, you may not have been here for the Super Bowl if you were traveling on a, on a normal year, right?
1: Um, I mean, I think on a normal year, I actually was hoping to go to the Super Bowl. Prior to COVID, I looked up, I kind of did some of my research on approximately what Super Bowl tickets cost. It pretty much cost about as much to go to the super bowl as it does to go on vacation so my plan was actually for this year was instead of going to the um instead of going on vacation in 2021 i'm going to go to the super bowl
0: that where would you get your love of football i've always wanted this because you're you're just a i would say a student of the game you're, you're knowledgeable of it so where did you get your fanhood for for football
1: so i actually um i don't know if i should if I should be proud to admit this on a podcast, but I actually grew up in a home. My dad watched football every Sunday, so I was exposed to it pretty much my entire life. But the reason I actually really got into it was in my early 20s to impress a guy. Um, There was a guy I liked. He was into football, so I decided I was going to start watching football and learn about it to impress him, and I actually found I liked it. So even though the relationship didn't last, my love for football did. (laughs)
0: Well, there you go. And I, would you say the game of football, um, I don't know, could outpace a relationship? You know what I mean? Like, it seems like the love of the game can have more longevity than anything else. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so you get to know this thing. And the, and so what lit your fire? Because I'm imagining around that time, the Giants actually were starting to get heated up there. And then they win the Super Bowl in 08. So what did that help you fuel the, the love of football?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's always great when the team because I grew up watching the Giants. My dad's a huge Giants fan, um, and I grew like I said. I grew up watching them. So watching them be a good team and make the playoffs and make it to the Super Bowl, and not only make it to the Super Bowl but end um, end the Patriots undefeated season definitely helps fuel the fire there.
0: And are you uh, you know if they had gone if Blackwell Burst doesn't shoot himself in the foot. Uh, or in the leg, I should say, in the next year, I think the Giants were going to keep winning. I mean, they were six zero that next year. People seemingly forget about that. But wouldn't you say that you know, as as hot and as high as we felt after the Giants win, after the Manning escape to Tyree, it just went south pretty quick after that Burris thing, and it's been south for most of the years since. It's it's kind of like, what can the Giants What do we need to do to get back to the Super Bowl? I don't know that answer right now. I think. I
1: think we just need to get some playmakers. I think we need to build the team we already have. Um, I don't think Daniel Jones is Aaron Rodgers, but he's certainly a decent enough game manager that if you surround him with a decent, an O-line that can protect him and create paths for either him or Saquon to run the ball and receivers that can actually catch, I think he can easily get the team to the (laughs) playoffs.
0: I do too. I mean, look, we were on the doorstep this year, and then Doug Peterson decided to, you know pull Jalen Hurts and tick off two quarterbacks in one day I mean people forget that Carson Wentz also was pretty pissed off at uh at Peterson that that afternoon too and, and we were texting during that game and it's like what do you do and why as a coach how do you yeah. not want to win that was my first question
1: yeah that was the strangest thing to me I mean you have this young. Know, you he made a decision early in the year now let's First, before I go into this, let's just say if Evan Ingram knew how to catch a ball, we wouldn't have been in the position we were in to need the about. So talking I am about. going to exactly. acknowledge that
0: <laughs> against the same egos we're talking about. Exactly.
1: Yes, yeah. but at the end of the day, Doug Peterson made a decision at some point during the season that Jalen Hurts was his guy. He was his quarterback. He was. He felt that Carson Wentz wasn't playing up to par, and he wanted Jalen Hurts to be his guy. So if you basically put your faith in this guy, how do you go back midway through at the beginning of the fourth quarter of a game that's very winnable, I think they were only down by three points, and bench him? Not only that, but you have an opportunity to come back, pull off an upset, and knock your divisional opponent out of the playoffs. On your home term. He basically went in and said, I want to move up three draft picks and allow a divisional opponent to clinch on my field. Why? I'm assuming that's a big part of the reason why he doesn't have a job in Philadelphia anymore, but that just boggles my mind.
0: Well, and I had been reading if, into the... And if
1: I were a Philadelphia sports fan, I'd be
0: pissed. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they were. I mean, I know he was for. I mean, this guy was a genius with Foles in that Super Bowl. Now he he went in we went out four and twelve. I mean that's such a change. But I heard he was like not wanting to do what the owners told him to and all. it was a mess for him and, and he's gone. And so um I think though this NFC East is so bizarre because normally, you know, Ron Rivera's a great coach. He still did not coach uh, a solid team. I mean, Alex Smith got the comeback player of the year. I love that guy. I love this story. Um, but this division and the, the coaches that are in it. I mean, Mike McCarthy, yeah, he lost Dak, but you got to recover from that as a head coach, don't you?
1: And people are forgetting. Everyone thinks the Cowboys would have done so great with Dak. They were one in, they were one in I think, one in four without, with Dak. They only won one game with him at the beginning of the season, and they were losing to the Giants pretty badly when he went down and Andy Dalton stepped in. So who's to say they wouldn't have been 1-5 and five at the end of that game?
0: Right, because Dalton comes in and they have that comeback. That, and that was another giant issue. They had these meltdowns, like the literal last two minutes of a game they would melt down, and, and that was a big reason why. Um, and yeah. then, of course— And, then and as think, you, um, mm-hmm. back to— the, no, no, and as you say, just the whole division just been weird. And the Redskins, I don't know, I don't know what happened to them. I mean, they they have the solid coach, they have the qu- solid quarterback. Like I, I didn't understand what went wrong down there.
1: I mean, I think they're they're a disaster. They've always been a disaster. Um, or they've been a disaster at least for my entire life. Um, I think back in the eighties, they were pretty good there for a bit, but they haven't done anything in the past 30 years. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know what happened with them. Um, I think they just also kind of like the giants, honestly, they just have a young team. They're in the process of rebuilding and they just don't have all the pieces in place yet. And Alex Smith was a great filler, but he's not your guy (laughs) long-term.
0: And, they thought and his they'd story have is
1: amazing, and I'm not knocking his story, but he's not the long-term answer in Washington, that's for sure.
0: He's not. And I think they were riding high on Haskins, but Haskins is just was another disaster for them, and, and, and I'm glad they released him too, by the way. You know, Brady, well, we will never see this again, by the way, but Brady, seven Super Bowls, I also think of it as like two conferences he's dominated. So... Can we see a quarterback ever again dominate two conferences, let alone one? I, I mean, I think Mahomes can dominate the AFC. I think we've seen it. Uh, but I don't know. I just don't think we're going to ever see the like of Tom Brady ever again.
1: Nope. I, I agree with you there.
0: Because to do it in two conferences. I mean, you and I have watched this game for now nearly you know 30 years or however more. However, for me, I've been watching it for a while. And... We just, we, I haven't ever seen a guy do it in two conferences. So that, that's a thing to make noteworthy, too, is like not just seven Super Bowls, but to do it in two conferences. Um, and on the first year in the first conference, are the divisions, are the conferences um, not weak, but is just Brady that good that he can adapt to both conferences? I have to believe that's the answer. Not that any of these other teams are weaker, it's just Brady's Brady.
1: Yeah. He's. Yeah, and I think a lot of people underestimated the Bucks too, given the, the fact that they did pit, play poorly earlier in the season. And came, but they came back in the second half and dominated. Um, you know, no surprise that he won against Washington in the playoffs. We all saw that coming a mile away. Um, the Saints, I was kind of I kind of thought they would beat the Saints just because I think it's very hard to beat the same team three times in one season. And the Saints had a bunch of key players out of the divisional rounds, I was shocked. To see, I did not think he was going to be there in Rodgers, though. I was shocked to see them win that game.
0: Well, and, and as I was saying, was Greg, Greg Williams, you know, the Jets' former defensive coordinator, was he the the defensive coordinator there? Because they did the same thing where they all pressured Brady and he, he launched it 40-plus yards down the field. Uh, I'm going to ask you a little more about him in a minute, but let's go to Drew Brees. I mean, because you've been down there, you've seen the NFC South probably a little more than many of our New York friends have. So, how you know how good of a player and athlete is Drew Brees? I mean, did you like him? Did you think he was overrated, underrated? What, what were your thoughts on him? I mean, he didn't make the single-season passing record for no reason, right? Yeah. I
1: mean, I have a soft spot for Drew Brees because I was actually in New Orleans the year they won the Super Bowl. I was just down there visiting for a week, and it was when they – it it was during the football playoffs. I don't remember if it was like during wildcard Weekend or the Divisional Round, but I kind of saw their road to the Super Bowl firsthand. So I've actually always had a soft spot for him in the Saints. Um, I think he's a great player, but I think like a lot of great players, he's hit that time, and I think it's just time to retire.
0: But to do it on four broken ribs to to do the season he had is just is just tremendous. And I I say of all the guys who deserved a ring. And got a ring. I mean, he was just one of the more down-to-earth kind of guys to do it. He worked hard. He, he didn't make himself flashy. He just kept gutting it out. Mm-hmm. And, yeah,
1: and I would have liked to see him. And I definitely would have liked to see him get that second ring. And I think his best opportunity to do it, um, kind of going back to the ref, screwing someone over, mm-hmm. was I want to say it was two or three years ago in, that cha- in the NFC Championship against the Rams.
0: That was um, I think that
1: was his best shot to get another ring
0: and this was that to me was the comeback year for the Saints because they were still recovering for a few years of from the bounty gate all the suspensions and, and by the way, Goodell looked really bad on that didn't he the whole bounty gate thing because even his former boss Paul Tyley but the former commissioner said, what are you doing uh, so mm-hmm. that was just not a good thing for for Goodell and the Saints you know, Kind of became a darling of the NFL after they saw how wrongly treated they were. Mhm. But yeah, I agree that 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 against the Saints. But let's go back to that Super Bowl you mentioned. Onside kick to start the second half. Um, as good as Breeze was, that play will always stick out in the memory of everybody. What a play call to do to start the second half of a Super Bowl. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: And, uh, and and then they just won it. By the way, I think the funnest thing to see is like ten years later, his kid. Remember, he had the big kid, the kid with the big headphones on because of the noise. Caught a pass from Brady. I'm like, what a full circle that is. Ten years later, you know, It's just it's just surreal to watch all of this happening in front of our eyes.
1: Yeah, I'll actually remember. I don't know what I was doing. I think I was like, honestly, I think I was just cleaning my house. And I had the Pro Bowl on in the background because I just, just as background, noise. not that anyone ever watches the Pro Bowl. And all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, I guess Drew Brees' kids were working as ball boys and they're just beating each other up on the sidelines. And he has to run in in the middle of the game and break it up.
0: <laughs> no, that was great. I saw a couple of clips of them on the sideline and at the Pro Bowl. Um. So where do – you just mentioned Jameis. Do the Saints end up choosing him as the next guy or are they going to go for another quarterback? What do you think they do?
1: I've had the pleasure of watching Jameis Winston play for the past three three years, I guess it would have been. I watched Jameis Winston play, and he can make the big plays, but the problem with Jameis Winston always was for every great play – a terrible play follows it immediately. If the Saints have faith that he can clean up those terrible plays, then, yeah, he could easily be their guy. But the question is, um, and I actually think he should have been given a chance when Breeze got hurt to go out and prove himself. I don't think Taysom Hill is your guy to run your offense long term. I think Uh, Jameis Winston has a better shot of it than Taysom Hill did. So the fact that, and I don't know if it was just because Taysom Hill had been on the team for so long, but I think I think they should have really given Jameis Winston the chance in his new, in the new offense in the on the new team to go out there and prove himself and see what he could do.
0: Well, I remember they did give him a shot, and he had that what fifty-six yarder against the Bucks. So that was kind of like a revenge throw. Everybody said, um, but. One last thing on football, Tampa, because there's another thing coming down there in just a few days, which I'm uber excited for, as you know, Yankee baseball, spring training. I want to ask you about mm-hmm. that because I've been down there. I love I love going to Tampa to watch spring training, get away from the cold in, in here. There's nothing like it, uh, but I want to ask you about your experience there. But one last thing on Brady, can he do a, I feel like he can do a Perry Elena
1: I I think he can. I don't I don't know if he will, but I definitely think. I I mean, the Bucks have a great team. If they can bring back the majority of those guys next year, and they can stay healthy and continue to play at a high level, I definitely think they can. He can get his eighth ring.
0: And Gronk, you know, he's not much younger. You know, not much younger, whatever, than Brady, and he still looks like he can play another couple years too, right out of retirement. So we'll have to see how that goes. Now, are you, are you yeah, interested was, in baseball?
1: That was one that surprised me, I have to say, before we switched to baseball. That was one that surprised me because when the Bucks signed Gronk out of retirement, my reaction was, why would you do that? He's going to be on IR by week four.
0: And he wasn't. I mean, he just he kept going. And uh, he didn't look like he retired. You know, He just looked like he was ready to go and ready to play. And um, I don't know. Do you think he retired because he had to get out of – The Belichick era. By the way, you have to listen to my last podcast, guys. I kind of bashed Cam Newton. I said, Belichick is great with Brady, but Brady listened to Belichick. That's why. Cam Newton probably didn't listen to Belichick as well. That's why they struggled. That's what I got to believe. But do you think Gronk wanted out of that Patriots system for at least a year to see what Brady did next?
1: Well, the rumor I heard was that he retired because he was told he was getting traded to the Lions and he didn't want to go to the Lions.
0: See, and I'm I don't not know that... if there's any
1: truth to that. Uh, or I think I think he might have even come out and said it, but that's what I heard as to why he left why he just retired. He's like he was like, Well, I don't want to play for the Lions, so if New England doesn't want me, I'm gonna retire.
0: And then he just was there at home for a year and then Well, actually he wasn't at home, he was everywhere else, wasn't he? Wasn't he like on Days with the Stars or something? Like he popped up all these different places during his his quote unquote retirement and you were like, Yeah, Grunk's not going anywhere and then he came back on the field. Um, but yes, next door to, to Raymond James is George M. Steinbrenner Field. Uh I know you're from Queens, right, Perry? So are you a Met fan mainly or a Yankee fan? What, what what where do you lean for baseball?
1: I'm a Yankees
0: fan. Awesome. So what's that like? I don't
1: like? follow baseball nearly as closely as football, though.
0: <laughs> but every year around this time, they do congregate down in Tampa. So what's that like? Um, is there a buzz? Even if it's spring training, do you feel a buzz there for the Yanks every year? I feel like whenever I'm, whenever I'm down there, I sense a buzz around that team no matter what.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you have some Tampa natives that root for the Yankees because they grew up going to spring training every year and that actually goes for a lot of people from Florida is you know they don't necessarily root for the Rays or the Marlins they'll they'll root for whatever team did spring training in their town and I don't know how familiar you are with the layout of Tampa um, and the Tampa Bay area but you kind of have two cities Tampa and St. Petersburg that are separated by a bridge and the Tampa Bay Rays actually play in St. Petersburg they don't play in Tampa so you have a lot of people that consider Tampa to be Yankee's town and St. Petersburg to be the Rays.
0: <laughs> oh man, it is uh, it is so true. And I do have a lot of experience. I'll tell you a quick story if you have a minute. Um, 2011, I went down there one weekend and um, my friends didn't want to go to the game with me on the Monday I was going to leave. So I packed up, I have three of these bags. I took buses across town. To the stadium, and on my, as you know, I rollerblade. On my rollerblade, I had these three bags going to <laughs> to George Steinbrenner Field, and it was so special because <laughs> Ray Nagro, the special advisor of the Yankees, took me in, and I got to see Hank Steinbrenner and actually and everything. Never felt like a nice reunion. So yeah, and and George Steinbrenner would have my dad and I down in Tampa. So we're, it, it's it's a. Um, it is in my heart, that town. So I'm glad that you get to experience it. I got to come down and visit you and go to a game soon enough. Well, maybe not this year because of COVID, but hopefully soon enough. Um, but as you say, you know, the layout of the land and, and all that loyalty, I'm sure you heard when the Dodgers left Lido Beach, it was like the Dodgers leaving Brooklyn for a lot of those people that live there and watch the Dodgers. So I see what you're saying. That loyalty to the town, the team of the town it is vital there. Yeah, exactly. It just was, uh, yeah, it just, it, I, I read about that. I'm like, man, they felt the same way that people in Brooklyn did 50-something years ago. I mean, it's just crazy how history repeats itself. And now, by the way, they're going to have this whole spring training thing where you got to play on the same coast of, uh, you know, East Coast versus East Coast and West Coast is on the West Coast. People forget Tampa's really that big. But I want to say one thing that you, you noted, and it kind of was a meme the whole uh, about the halftime, oh, only time Floridians wear masks was at the halftime show. But you're saying, no, they actually do have to re- require required to wear masks in different places all times, right? That, that's what you mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's, it's actually done county by county. So you could have a mask mandate in one county, and in another county there's no mask mandate. So there's nothing statewide. It just depends on what each county wants to do our county has an indoor mask mandate which makes pretty good sense for florida i mean i don't know if you've ever stepped outside in florida in august but the last thing you want is anything covering your face
0: well since i got you on this podcast yeah that's true since i got you on the podcast and i'm sure there are friends that might be listening to this um what's life been like since queen's college like just give us a little synopsis of how everything's been and what you're up to now um, since, since
1: Queens. Oh, Oh, wow. You're asking me to go back 11 years. You realize that, right?
0: (laughs) Why not? (laughs)
1: Um, so let's see. I, I actually didn't stay in Queens for very long after I graduated. I was only there for about another year. Um, I was working part time at a doctor's office. Um, it was actually for my uncle. He lived up in, um, up in Norwalk, Connecticut. Um, my senior my last semester senior year, I was going up there once a week, basically just doing um the grunt work inherently. And when I graduated, probably about a month after I graduated, he had a full-time position open up. So I took it and I commuted back and forth there for probably about a year every day from Queens to Norwalk, which, without traffic is an hour. So you can only imagine what it was like trying to do that during rush hour every day. Um, Got sick of it pretty fast. Ended up moving up there. Stayed up there for five years and then um, landed a job here in Tampa. And that's where I've been ever since.
0: (laughs) Wow. It sounds like... It does sound like whenever you say you're in Tampa, it it sounds fun. Like, that just sounds like a fun life, but you're working hard there, which is even better to hear. Uh, You think they named that town Tampa? That was kind of a joke running into the week, but is. (laughs) How are they going to nickname it Tampa Bay now for Tom Brady?
1: Only the really obnoxious Patriot fans that followed him down here.
0: (laughs) Interesting. I, I forget that people could have done that. So is there a Patriot contingent that roots for Brady down in Tampa? Is that what you're saying?
1: funny because as I was walking around throughout like the Super Bowl experience and just the area in general there were a lot of people wearing um, Tom Brady jerseys from his New England
0: days. And you know what's funny? You say that like he's older now but that was only last year. People forget like this is the first year yeah. out of New England. But you're right. And mm-hmm. by the way, nearly 20 years ago, I'm sure you saw like a lot of people did that kick by Vinatieri and that was when it started, 19 plus years ago. Hard to believe how how quickly time's flying here. Yes. And then they did it. Well, Perry, thanks so much for joining us, and I'm I'm glad we got to catch up and do some sports and and talk about life a little bit, and uh, please come back as as even the draft heats up. We'll see where the Giants go and what what we do. Um, Jets get number two, and I don't want to sound stupid, so I'm not going to say Trevor Lawrence does drop down a slot, but I think some of the play issues, I mean, do you think they're going to be concerned about that if you are the first pick drags, or are they going to not care about Lawrence's somewhat kind of woeful season? He didn't have the best season this year, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't really know. Um, I would be pretty surprised if Jacksonville doesn't take him and he falls to the Jets. Um, I've also heard whisperings um, for reasons I can't comprehend, (laughs) but um, Deshaun Watson wants to go to the Jets.
0: I, I, I picked up on that rumor mill, and uh, by the way, Texans won't trade him, so I don't know if we're going to see that this year or not. We'll have to see mm-hmm. what pans out. But Perry, let's stay in touch. Let's do. Let's talk some more sports as the days go on, and um, thanks for bringing some Florida warmth to this podcast. We need it up here. It's, it's freezing in New York.
1: <laughs> I've heard. I've been hearing a lot of stories about snow, um, and it doesn't seem to be stopping.
0: No, one after the other, it seems like. So we'll see. Anyway, that's Perry Elena. Perry, uh, do you have a Twitter thing? Like people can follow? Because you do post sometimes about these games. So where can people find your analysis?
1: I actually uh, made a decision to delete my social media. Um, I have been, um, I do have a Twitter account. Um, if you look it up, I haven't posted anything on it in probably close to 10 years. Um, and I used to post a lot on Facebook, but I made a decision to actually delete my Facebook account. Um, I haven't had a Facebook account in probably close to six months now. Um, so it's, Yeah, so I've been social media, more or less social media free for quite some time.
0: That had nothing to do with politics, right? That had nothing to do with the political stuff we see (laughs) on
1: Oh, no, no. Nothing (laughs) at all to do with um, politics and fighting and just (laughs) constant arguing. Nothing
0: Uh, to do with that decision. And I'm still waiting for the unity that we were told we're going to get. I'm just saying, I'm still waiting for that. So we'll see. But... Perry, thanks so much for joining, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: All right. We'll talk to you later. Have a good night.
0: You too. I'm Alex Garrett, and this has been the Sports Hour edition of Alex Garrett Podcasting. We'll talk to you soon.